I was running through the back roads shirtless, shoeless, and just passed by the gates of Auschwitz on my right. What the fuck is going on? I've completely lost myself trapped in some sick fucking video game. Everything was pixelated. I didn't know who I was and couldn't see farther than an inch in front of myself. Hunching over, I was exhausted, wanted it all to end, and was waiting for someone to come help me. No one was coming. I was alone. I wanted to cry. All I could do was help myself. That was the point. Fast forward a few hours in the night, I was crying uncontrollably, realizing I don't love myself. This ayahuasca experience completely changed my life. What's up, you amazing listeners? It's your boy, Fast Fingers, aka Rabbi Canlis, aka Noah Kagan. Today, I'm going to share with you a four-part series about ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. I wish we had that spelling thing. If you haven't heard of it, ayahuasca is a psychedelic from South America that people drink, trip out, puke, and have amazing visions that change their life. It's a plant medicine that's becoming more and more popular by Westerners. You may have heard of it like me, but had zero interest or weren't clear why all these people are doing it. I didn't think my life was bad enough to actually warrant it. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it got quote unquote bad. So I wanted to try it for myself and share my experience with you. This series will explore four parts. My experience with ayahuasca, the story of the shaman who guided our trip. So by the way, he's not some hippy dippy. He's a former stockbroker. And as well, my good friend, Billy Murphy from foreverjobless.com, who went from low energy, unsure what to do with his life, among other things, to a complete 180. Now, I can't promise ayahuasca will be a miracle drug for you, but I can promise you'll learn some things you can implement in your own personal development. Quick disclaimer from my lawyer, Shlomo Rabinovitz. My client, Noah Kagan, does not condone any drug usage whatsoever. Make choices at your own risk. Please ask responsibly and do your own research. And remember to always call your mother. (laughs) All right, let's dive in. If you want the longer version of my experience, please go to okdork.com slash Aya, okdork.com slash A-Y-A. That's going to be a full long, in-depth story about this. I'm giving you the highlight reel on the podcast. So let's begin. Why did I want to go? I've heard about ayahuasca from Aubrey Marcus. I've seen it on blog posts. I've seen some videos. And honestly, it just looks like a crappy experience. You go to some teepee in Peru, you poop and puke, and you do drugs. And it just sounds like a horrible time. And I always thought I could just do that at home. So there wasn't really anything appealing for me. A lot of the things I think about are, well, I can do journaling, I can go to therapy, I can read books, I can talk to friends. What is it about this thing that can actually help me? I think you would agree. It's hard to believe that there's going to be some pill that'll really cure everything. And it just sounds too good to be true. At that point in life, a few months ago, I really didn't have anything to look forward to. I kept thinking I've done all the things I want to do in life. And I don't mean that to sound arrogant. I just felt that personally and professionally, I was done. So there wasn't else to look forward to. So I said, I'm going to sign up for the retreat in six months. A week before the trip, I was really nervous. I was like, what am I actually going to be doing? It's five to seven hours on a mat on the ground somewhere random with a bunch of strangers. I think the fact that I was nervous for me felt like a guiding compass about something I should do. I don't think being nervous is always the right compass, but it's kind of saying that, hey, I'm going to go get challenged. I'm a little uncomfortable. And I think, frankly, when that happens, there's going to be a growth outcome from that. The main thing that a lot of people said going into the experience is what's your intention? Why are you going? And my intention was, you know, basically, if you had to boil it down, it was like, what does my future look like? How can I get clarity on what kind of future I want to have in my work that would get me excited in my relationship and in my personal life? 
So in the retreat, it's kind of like a yoga retreat or Jewish summer camp. <laughs> Most of the daytime is pretty chill. I will say before the day one, I was super judgmental. And I don't know if that's something that you do yourself, but I just noticed that when I was at the retreat, I was like, oh, that person's fat. They look like they've got a bunch of problems that they need help with. And I had a realization about this later, but it was really fascinating how much judgment I had around other people versus just kind of thinking about for myself. The ceremony starts at around 8 p.m. and around 3 p.m. they ask you to stop eating. The reason is so that you're on an empty stomach and when you digest it, it'll hit you a lot harder and a lot faster. The easiest way to kind of explain what the whole experience is like, it's kind of like a meditation retreat on drugs. So around seven o'clock, you go in the room, you're in a semicircle with mats, and then there's the shaman and his guides up at the front. You know, I'm just like, oh God, what's this woo-woo stuff? And it, it's dark, right? There's not going to be a lot of lights. And so what they do is they have some meditation and some stretching and some talk. They actually make you sign disclaimers before we get going. And then everyone comes up individually to the front of the room and drinks a shot of the ayahuasca. It tastes like bitter raisins, which frankly, I thought was pretty good. A lot of people didn't really like it. Then what you do is you go lay on your mat and they gave some rules, which is you're not supposed to leave your mat. You're not supposed to talk to others. You're not supposed to sing. So basically it's your own experience. The only thing you can do is come up to the front when they call you or if you need to, or go to the bathroom, which they can help you do as a guide. And so on the first night, kind of thought nothing happened. I thought they gave me a weak dose and it was just a placebo. And then all of a sudden, I just started overheating. Like I just started getting insanely hot, like my chest is thumping. And I'm trying to think of some mantras and things that my friends were saying would help me in the experience, which is in and through, no matter what's happening, go in it, don't avoid it. And then secondly, what can I learn from this? So just go in it. And then what can I learn from this experience? And I'm trying to just calm down. I'm like, okay, what can I learn from this? What's my intention? Think about the future, get clarity. I honestly flipped the fuck out. <laughs> One of the guides is like, hey man, are you okay? And I'm like, dude, I'm losing my fucking mind. I'm tripping out here. I was like, I need to go outside. I'm overheating. And he's like, let me do a ventiata. And you got to imagine like you're tripping out. I'm in the middle of nowhere with strangers. I know a few of my friends, but everyone's tripping. And I have this guy trying to blow on my head and wave me down. Like, oh, malakalakalakalaka. That's what he's saying to me. And I'm just like, dude, get off me. And I go outside and I have my flashlight on and I'm trying to walk around to cool down because I was just like, I don't like this. And I remember being so angry. I'm like, I just want this to stop. I don't like it. And one of the guys found me. He caught me. And he's like, hey, man, I know you're outside, but it's not safe for you to be outside. So then he's like, you got to go back inside. So I go back inside and I'm on my mat, but I actually then sneak out again. And I keep my flashlight off and I take my shirt off and I don't have shoes. And then I literally start running away from the retreat center. And I just start running. And I try to run to some place I'm more familiar with. And on my right, I literally thought I saw the gates of Auschwitz. And I remember thinking like, man, I have not been this fucked up ever. My flashlight, which I kept off so they couldn't find me now that I've run away far enough, I turn it on, but it's not really working in my mind. I don't know where my body is. And a lot of times what they say when people do ayahuasca is that it feels like you're dying. And the shaman's words which I thought were funny was, if you feel like dying, just die. Think about that. That's absolutely bonkers. And I hunch over and I want to cry and I want it to end and I wanted someone to just come take care of me. And that was a really interesting turning point because I had this moment where I thought to myself, no one is coming to help you. And I think a lot of times in my life, we're always kind of blaming someone else or we're looking for someone to just come help us and excuse ourselves. And so I said, Noah, you got to get your shit together. I know you're tripping out, but we got to go back to the camp and let's just go into your cabin and just calm down. 
And, you know, I was like, help yourself, go back inside. So I made it back, thank God, to the cabin. I didn't injure myself. There have been times where people have died from ayahuasca because they, they're tripping balls and they fall on a spike. Or someone, I think there's a story where they got a knife and they actually stabbed someone because they were tripping out. I'm very fortunate that nothing happened. I went back to the room. I cooled down. The shaman actually came and he gave me a naked cold shower. He didn't wash me. <laughs> but he's like, dude, you're tripping. Just like calm down. And he had like this red light, which he used as a flashlight. But I thought he was the devil. I'm like, it's the devil. I'm like, get the fuck off me, man. I thought I wasn't really in the room that long. And I've run away now for two hours and no one runs away. And so I'm in my room, like pacing, trying to calm down, trying to breathe, tapping on my chest. I was just trying to relax. I think there's things in life, I don't know, I almost felt like a little kid where I did something wrong and I was ashamed and I thought I was going to get punished. But I got to go back and I got to finish it out. And I had my shirt off and I'm walking back to the room and I could hear the music from the room. And so music is actually one half of the equation of ayahuasca, which I was really surprised about. And so I go back into the room and I lay on my mat and I just relax and I just try to calm down and I let the music kind of take over me. And it's really interesting music. I'll add a clip right here that you can listen to. So I'm going to put a little clip in of some of the, what they call is Icaros, which is a song that kind of triggers somehow the Icaros plus the ayahuasca just like triggers these thoughts and visions that you're going to have on the experience. <laughs> But that's the moment, I mean, that little snap moment, that things started to change. So I'm laying down. I thought about, I wanted my girlfriend to come take care of me. And I knew she would come take care of me then. And that was really comforting. And I thought how strong she is and how she's been reaching out for me. And I've been running away from things. Like I've been running away from my work. I'm running away from her. I'm running away from Austin. I'm running away from all these things when I actually have everything I need. And there was just so many, many takeaways. But that was one of the strongest ones, which is like, we all have everything we need. But we're always kind of looking for that next thing. And that was a really powerful moment. At this point now, I'm bawling. I am just hunched over on my mat crying about this. And I started thinking how I felt like a child at my dad's house where I was crying because he would leave for work and I just wanted him to be at home. Part of me thinks now, and like it's been about a month later, is it placebo and I'm just making up stories. Like my dad left actually wasn't a big thing and I'm just creating that in my mind. But what I think about, frankly, is like it helps me understand the situation. It gives me clarity on who I am and how to live a better life. So I don't really care if it is that or not, but it helps me. And that's what it is at the end of the day. And so for myself, I realized I just got to love myself more. And kind of like me trying to run away is that no one's coming to help me. And on the second part is that I realize that at times when people are trying to help me, I can just be really crazy. <laughs> I called it wreaking havoc, where they're trying to help me, they're trying to look out for me, and all I'm doing with my work people or my friends or my partner, Lee, my girlfriend, I'm like making it more hard for people who are just trying to help me. And it was an interesting moment where I realized like they're just trying to help and I created this chaos. And so it doesn't have to be chaotic. So I, you know, I was crying about that crying about different things with my stepfather and our relationship. And it was just a really powerful moment. Me coming back to a challenging thing, feeling ashamed, feeling courage. I think the shaman said that. I appreciate it. It made me feel better. He's like, look, that was hard. It was scary. You didn't want to come back. You wanted to leave. And you came back and faced a fear and overcame it. And I felt really proud of myself, whether it was justified or not. 
And then I went up and hugged the shaman and started crying at the end of the night. And I felt just relieved. I felt relieved and I felt drained. I felt fucking drained by that. And that was my first night, man. It was intense. There's a lot more to the experience, but at a high level, it was don't always run away from stuff because you have everything. The world will give you what you need. I think sometimes we're thinking we need more. Like you ever go to a place and you're like, well, I should get more food or you feel like you're not getting enough. And there is a moment where I'm like, I have enough. I don't always have to get more of stuff. There are people trying to help me and help you. Maybe we need to let them help us. And sometimes you got to just help yourself and like yourself. Be like, and if you're not liking yourself, I actually thought with this podcast, I had a moment during the ayahuasca where I thought about you and I thought about me and I thought about how I'm going to other people to create episodes And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm so needy because I don't like myself. I'm going to this person to help me feel better about myself when that's wrong. And I realize, like, if I'm so needy, they can feel that when I'm approaching them to be on this show and do the show instead of me liking myself and going to them and saying, hey, here's why I think the show is great for you. And I already like me. So I think it's great for you. And if you want to be on the show, great. And if you don't want to be on the show, that's great for you, too. So that was just night one. And there's three nights of this. And actually, about half the other people that were there don't ever do drinking, don't ever do drugs, don't smoke, don't do anything. A lot of the people that were going there besides me were going for sexual abuse, sexual molestation. What do I do with my life? What's my life purpose? Some people went in with no intention, but it's not a lot of woo-woo people. I was actually kind of surprised. Coming back to it, something that you can do for yourself, it was amazing to have a space with no phones, no distractions, really healthy eating, really healthy lifestyle, and people to talk about real issues. Notice the next conversation you have at lunch or on the weekend or when you see your friends, it's really superficial. It's what was work? How are you doing? Oh, cool, how's your relationship? But this was actually space that we created even without any substances that was for us to work on improving our lives. And I think there is something that's repeatable about that, about going into nature, taking time for yourself and really exploring yourself that'll lead you to a lot of things that you'll probably wanna get answers on. Hooey! All right, day two, I was scared as shit and I basically didn't do anything. So for six hours or seven hours, I took a little bit of the ayahuasca and I just laid on my mat. I did have time during the day to reflect on everything that happened and it was just so much stuff about loving myself, taking care of myself, dealing with others. The next night, I honestly was just terrified. And so I mostly just took a little bit and just rested. I had some different visions. And so you might be wondering like, well, what are you actually thinking or doing when you're in ayahuasca? So day one, I lost my mind, which is the extreme of it. They call your brain is in a dishwasher. But day two and day three were definitely more, I'd say, traditional experiences. And maybe on ayahuasca, there's no traditional experience. But basically, you have visions. So you hear this music, and then out of nowhere, you're having a vision where you're seeing something in your life. Like it could be, I saw a light come down on me on day three. But basically, you're either having visions of things, or you're seeing shapes, or you're imagining things, you're going to memories. And it's leading to these kind of crazy connections that you can't even imagine. And so day two, I was scared and I literally didn't do much. And day three is where I actually was excited to go back in again. I said, you know, I'm here for this experience. I got a lot out of day one, even though it was hard. And so I wanted to go back in day three and see what else I could learn. And so day three, I went into the full ceremony, took almost a full shot of the ayahuasca and I started tripping balls. And so on day three, a lot of it was more about the future. I thought about my dad in day one. In day three, I thought about my mom, surprisingly, and I wasn't even expecting it. But it turned out I was thinking a lot about family. And that is something I'm thinking about and excited about for my next startup. So I had visions of a baby coming out of a uterus, (laughs) which was, I mean, pretty trippy, but cool. I saw play toys. I was visioning those. I was envisioning like a woman taking care of me and realizing it's nice to have a foundation of your life so that you can create greatness. So if, if your relationship or your household isn't stable, it is hard for you to create greatness. 
So that was something I was able to realize in day three, having a family, building a better relationship, taking care of my significant other. And so day three was a lot more of like the feminine, womanly aspects of ayahuasca for myself and my vision. On day three, I had this really crazy connection of why I hate dogs now. And I grew up with dogs. I've loved dogs. And all of a sudden, in the past years, I've hated dogs. And I realized that it was connected to my dad dying and he loved dogs. And subconsciously or in this moment during ayahuasca, I realized that I was always scared of the dogs leaving me, same as my dad left. And same with not wanting to be in a family because my dad left and love leaves. And so having that awareness about why I don't even like dogs uh, helped me realize that not everything is going to leave me. And I can actually like dogs and it, and it is a great thing. And it was just me holding myself back. I guess Tony would, Robbins would say it's a self-limiting belief, but it was kind of weird to actually finally understand where that was coming from. So that was closing the loop full circle where I had these weird ass connections that I'm not sure sitting in a therapist chair or journaling or meditating, I would have been able to get to that point. Uh, but the ayahuasca experience helped me realize that among many, many other things. It was also draining. I remember at the end of it, I'm sweaty. I didn't put on deodorant because I wanted to feel raw and I was just exhausted. You're losing your mind. You're having these psychedelic visions. You're tripping out in a room on a mat for seven hours, which is really quite strange. One question that a few people have been asking me is, am I going to go do it again? And as I started in the beginning of the show, I, I wrote, I will never do this again. And I was really scared and I didn't actually want to do it again. What's been interesting to think about, though, is how we avoid doing things that help us. And so what I mean by that is that have you ever had a personal trainer or have you ever had a class or have you ever had some experience that was really good or even a book you've experienced? You're like, damn, that book changed my life. Like, think about what's a book that you've read that, you, that was really powerful for you, really impactful. And what I noticed for myself is I don't go back and revisit them. Like two books for me are Power of Full Engagement and a book called Million Dollar Consulting. Those are some books I always refer and recommend to people, but I haven't read either of them in 10 years. And same with this ayahuasca experience. I'm going to sign up for another experience likely in May. And I just bought those books today so that I can go reread them again. So definitely go revisit the things that have helped you grow. In terms of the major takeaways, what an amazing experience that I was able to reflect and get so many insights for myself that hopefully there's a few that you can take away. Just loving yourself. And I kind of hate when people say that because what does that mean? It's just like, okay, I love myself. All right, done. But I think a lot of times when we're having judgment on others, that's insecurity, or we're doing work that we don't like to do, or we're in a relationship that's not as healthy. It's really about just being happy with yourself, doing activities you like, doing work you like, being with people you like, and loving yourself that will help you do greatness and be happier in life. I know it sounds obvious, but I think maybe if we reflect on it, we're not as happy as we want to be for ourselves. Number two is growth through challenge. It was really hard. I thought when everyone went did ayahuasca, they just went and did drugs and tripped out and came back and that was it. But a lot of the things that are hard in life is where you're going to get growth. So if you're doing some type of new work that's hard, that's where you're going to have growth. This whole experience was hard as shit, so I got a lot of growth through that. So what are different things that are hard for you? And you can even think about it. What's something I can grow on? Is it a new geographical thing? Is it a new type of thing at my work? Is it a new physical thing, a new mental thing, like a new skill? And if it's hard, there's a likely chance you're going to grow through it. Number three is energy. This is something that was so wild, especially right afterwards for the two weeks after the experience, was that it was so apparent which activities and which people were either positively or negatively affecting my energy. So think about that for yourself. Literally just do it for the next half of your day. As you go through your day, just think, is this giving me more energy or less energy? Like think about it. even the gym, it's hard, but afterwards you generally feel pretty damn great. You're like, man, I'm pumped. Or like any type of physical activity or even a walk. And so notice that with the people, the work and the activities that you're doing about how it's affecting your energy levels. And the last one I'd say is judgment. 
it's so easy to just give feedback. Someone comes to you and they say, hey, Jimbo, I got this idea, or hey, I have this problem. And you're just like, let me go do da Maybe they just want you to listen. And so I've been really trying to judge less and just listen to people more instead of just kind of jumping to some kind of feedback or advice position that we so easily do in our judgment of others, which is really an insecurity ourselves. And lastly, I'd say for main takeaway is also just help yourself. You know, loving yourself is great, but helping yourself is even better, which is, you know, I think it's good to get feedback. Like sometimes we don't know all the answers. So go let people help you. But ultimately, I think we empowerment and satisfaction comes from helping yourself and making your own decisions. So it's been about a month. There's a phrase called hedonistic treadmill. And what that is, is that you go out and do something new or you learn something new or you meet someone new and it's amazing. Eventually, what they say is that it comes back down to your baseline. And so I believe is that if you don't have action items and things that you can create habits or routines out of, especially from this experience, it's not going to be long lasting. Here are the five takeaways that you can actually do for yourself. So number one is a write-up. So sharing this with you is a reflection for me and helping me internalize the experience. So if you're going to a conference, if you have some kind of crazy meeting, if someone comes to visit you for the weekend, like my buddy Eric Southwell did, or anything, write it up. And don't have to share it publicly. I choose to because I think it'll benefit you. But this is a way for me reflecting on it. So write up things as you experience them. It's a way of internalizing them and learning from them. Number two, I call it daily self-empowerment, but use a mantra. Basically, I just wrote up, it might be seven things that I wanted to always remember from this experience. And I have it in my notes and I literally read it every morning. So I'm using an app now called Strides, but I think there's also one called Streaks and these other ones. What do you want to do every day? So for me, one of them is meditate and one of them is read this daily self-empowerment. A few of the ones, I'm not going to read my whole thing, but a few of the daily mantra or empowerment, one is stop running. You have everything you need. Take care of yourself. Do things I enjoy for myself. It's not where you are, it's who you are. Mm. Number three, build a stable foundation with my girlfriend. Give her quality time, your full self, be vulnerable. Foundations create a platform for greatness. Number seven, zen. The feeling of not letting the people or things that don't matter bother you. The world will give you everything you need. And so I I just make it a habit to read this every morning and it kind of just reinforces it. Number three is an action item list. So what actions are you going to take post-experience? And so I have some of my own. But literally, get your phone out right now. You probably are on a treadmill or you're on a bike or in a car. If you're driving, don't do it. But what actions are you going to take for yourself to improve your life? Number four, music and nature. So it was really fascinating how the music plus the ayahuasca medicine, which it is a medicine because medicine heals. And I feel life is better now after this experience. So how can you trigger certain moods? What is a music or nature that can trigger a experience or a mindset for you. So what songs can you do or what place can you be? Can you go out in nature and that always triggers a certain experience for you? Or can you put on a certain soundtrack? So every morning during meditation, I'm trying meditating five minutes. And so far, it's been something I've actually looked forward to. I'll put in the show notes, one of the ones I've been listening to. But I found like some bowl singing, Tibetan singing bowl meditation. Actually, I don't know why. It sounds pretty damn good. But that triggers just my mind being at ease and like letting go of things and just being open so that I can create a foundation for a great day. And number five, I would say for takeaways from this overall experience is accountability. So it's easy to go and have any kind of experience. It's easy to commit to doing things like physically, like a bike race or doing something at work or committing something in a relationship. But how are you being accountable for it? And so that's something that I've chosen really intentionally to have a group of guys that went with me in the experience, sharing what I'm going to do with them, and then following up with each other to be like, hey, are you doing the things you said you're going to do? I think that creates a lot of results 
because sometimes it's hard to do yourself and we do need help. And this is the stuff that I believe will be lasting because, you know, I think what happens is we have conference highs or experience highs like the headmaster treadmill. And so you have to put it in place so that it'll last for a long time. And someone asked me, well, Noah, if I just sat and thought about this stuff, I would get these realizations about how you need to love yourself, how you need to take care of your girlfriend, how you should only work on things you need to work on. Like, it's obvious. And there are things like, I'll write, you know, there's therapy, there's journaling, there's meditation, there's conferences, seminars, coaches. There are a lot of ways of getting the same destination. But what people say about ayahuasca, and I would fully agree with it, is that this is like 10 years of therapy in one day. And I truly believe I was able to get a lot of insights and get clarity in my life versus being more dull and just kind of accepting a lot of things I didn't know which was surprising for me. So I'm not saying that everyone should go run out and do it. You remember you heard my lawyer give you a disclaimer. But for me, it was an experience of a lifetime that changed my life forever. Well, that was part one of the ayahuasca experience. Stay tuned to part two, where we'll get to know the shaman, who is a former stockbroker who's moved to the jungles of Guatemala to discuss why he did it, how he did it, and what you can do for yourself. If you like this podcast, please tweet it or message it or grinder it or Snapchat it or Instagram it to someone who would like it. I'd really appreciate that. Next, tell a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's get in nature and go on a journey together. Have a magical day. What's your favorite breakfast food?